I want to ask you this morning, as you keep Acts 15 and 16 open, I want to ask you this question. What are you passionate about? What gets the juices flowing? What gets you excited this morning? Um, Maybe it's a hobby that you have. Maybe it's your job. Some people are passionate about their jobs. Um, Maybe it's a local sports team, right? And we're in the right spot in the right country for local sports teams, okay? Right? Go Rangers. Okay, got that. Yeah, that's good. So speaking of that, let's put some stuff on the screen this morning. Some of us in here, okay, we're going to start with the Stars. Or no, we'll start with the Mavericks. Okay. Some of us are Dallas Mavericks fans, all right? We, we, we're a big Dirk fan. Uh, man, we, we live in an area where, man, people get to basketball games very early, uh, do the little tailgate outside there, Victory Park, you name it. And so people love their basketball here in Dallas. People also love their stars. We got the stars, Brad Horine in the house, represent, and some others. Uh, we love the Dallas Stars. And um, yes, there is hockey in the South. Okay, it does happen here. I, I did this in uh, the 9 o'clock hour, and uh, someone said, I'm a, I'm a blues fan, and, and that was kind of heartbreaking. Brad, I'm so sorry, dude. So sorry. Okay, and the next one, the Texas Rangers, of course, and uh, we have reasons to cheer for them. Today, when I was growing up, it was, it was sad to be a Rangers fan. Uh, today, uh, there's reasons to be excited. Okay, so we have Texas Rangers fan. And then, of course, you got to represent soccer, Right? Wow, we got more response for FC Dallas than we did anybody else. That's great. Uh, that means y'all are above average in every way. So good job. Good job. Uh, we do have a soccer team. They're in Frisco. Okay, and these guys. These guys are going to play today. And uh, some of you guys are excited about that. Um, so, yeah. Oh, wow. Boo and hiss. Wow. Look at that guy. That guy's just scary looking, dude. He looks like, if you can see his face... He doesn't look excited. I don't know why I picked that one. Anyway, uh, but uh, we'll go all out, man. We'll, we'll, we'll paint our faces. We'll do it up. Um, and, and go back to that for a second. We do this here. You know, go back, yeah, go, we do this also not only for Cowboys. Sometimes we do this for high school football games, right? Here, I mean, this is like, it's, it's crazy. And, and I, mean, I remember it was a couple weeks ago at the, at the Colony High School. By the way, I'm a, I'm a big Colony High School fan. I'm, I'm big fans of those guys. I, I love uh, the school. I love the football team. And, and I, I saw a couple weeks ago for a high school football game, people getting there like two or three hours. I happened to drive by two or three hours before the game to tailgate for a high school game. I'm thinking, dude. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary, for that. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, they're supporting the boys, Mary. Come on. They're support. <laughs> anyway, so, but this is going to happen today. So this is going to happen at 325, 325 days. So what's going to happen is about 65%, maybe even more today since the, the beginning of the season, are going to gather either at a stadium uh, by anyway, did anyone catch the Tennessee game last night at Bristol? Anyone catch that? 158,000 fans around that racetrack watching a college football game, Tennessee and Virginia Tech. That was crazy, amazing uh, as well. But this is going to happen today. What's interesting about this is probably about 70% of the country is going to gather around TVs. They're going to gather in stadiums. And so the big question is, is why? What, what gets us that rush, that, that excitement? Okay, um, there's a few things, if you really get down to it, why people do this. That, one, they love the community. 
They, they feel like they're a part of something. They're like-minded with other people. They feel like they're together in this. And some of you guys are thinking, what? You know, I don't want to be together in that. Well, that's cool. But some people think that way. Uh, some people just love the rush about being part of something exciting. And, and they feel like they got skin in the game if they'll throw stuff on their face and, and wear the, the jersey or something like that. And so they get excited about that. They also feel like there's something big at stake and that they're a part of it. That there's a championship. Hey, we, that we see the end. That's what we want to do. And so there's hope, especially on day one of the NFL season, that that's going to happen, right? Because it's Dak mania, right? And you got Elliot in the back, you know, that's going to happen right? Probably not. All right. But, <laughs> but people get excited about it. Uh, they're, they're passionate about it. They get to be a part of something. For some, it's a, it's a shared tradition. And sometimes traditions aren't always bad, but sometimes that's why people are part of this. They feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. They get excited. So let me ask this this morning. What about the church? What about the church? Aren't, aren't those things that we are supposed to be about with the church, community, right? We have this like-mindedness, this togetherness. We're about something way bigger than ourselves, this, this shared vision, this shared, definitely, tradition that's been passed down through the ages. Are we excited about that this morning? And that's where we ended last week, excitement, right? In Antioch, in Syria, there the church full of Gentiles who have come to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. This is the hub of reaching out to Gentiles. They're sending people out. They send Paul and Barnabas out. And so remember last week in verse 31, it said this, that at the reading of the letter, what was the letter? The letter was about the great truth that the doctrine of salvation, how one would be saved, is by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus alone. That's a summary of it. And as that was read, rejoicing occurred in the church. Now, I don't know if it looked like Cowboy Stadium. I don't know if it looked like a Mavericks game, but there was excitement. There was excitement about Jesus and what Jesus had done for them in saving them and to realize that it's nothing they could do alone, but only Jesus could save them. And so excitement is in Antioch, and that's where I want to pick up today because what was their ultimate excitement about? what Jesus had done on the cross, and that they now could spread that message of grace to the ends of the world. And that's what we're called to. We're called to a great mission. The Bible tells us after Jesus rose from the grave and before he ascended to heaven, two different places, Jesus gives these words. He says, go make disciples in Matthew 28. Go into all the nations, into all the worlds, all the different ethnic peoples, of all different backgrounds, the tribes in Papua New Guinea, the different people in Africa, and all the little nooks and crannies and villages that you're going to find down to South America, and you name it. Go to the nations. Go to America. Go to your neighborhood. Make disciples of the nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, that they might observe that. And lo, I'm going to be with you as you go. And then in Acts 1.8, he tells his disciples this. You're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes, when it comes to indwell you. And when you do, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be Jesus' witnesses into the world, Jerusalem, your hometown, that surrounding, the region, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. That's what Jesus says to us. And that's our mission. That's what you and I are to be excited about and passionate about. And that's where Paul was. Paul was passionate about that mission. 
He's kind of the central character here. Yeah, there's Barnabas and others, and they're all passionate about this mission. So here's what I want to do today as we look at this text that David read for us. And so I want us to ask or, or, or to see this. I want us to see what it looks like to effectively proclaim the gospel and to make disciples and how it involves passion first. That's the first point, passion, how it involves passion. And second, how it is directed, that passion is, toward the right priority. That's the second point, priority. To ask ourselves today, what's my ultimate priority? And then the third thing, that that passion directed toward right priorities is by people. Uniquely suited, different, different gifts, but people. And these people take certain precautions. It's an interesting precaution today, but it's a wise point that we must take. So fourth precautions that we take. And then fifthly, to present the truth, that we're called to present the truth. And where do we go? In the places that God calls us. So people, right, present in places. So the first thing I want us to talk about this morning is passion. What's that passion? To effectively share the gospel, to make disciples, it starts with passion. And so look at verse 35 and 36 in Acts 15, and I want you to see between the lines here the passion of these men. In verse 35, it tells us in chapter 15, but Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others, also the word of the Lord. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And so as we look here, what has happened? Paul and Barnabas get back to it. And why would I say that? There's been some stoppage here. And why has there been some stoppage? You remember the enemy tried to come in, Satan tried to come in, and he used the Jewish Christians, the Judaizers, those who said they believed in Christ, but yet they would come and say that if you wanted to receive grace, you had to be circumcised. You had to add works to the picture. And not only that, you had to obey the Mosaic law. And so they had to gather in Jerusalem and come together on an agreement. They had to come to unity. They had to come to harmony on how one is truly saved. Is it grace alone or is it grace plus this, this, and this? A works theology. And there we remember Peter, Paul, Barnabas, James standing up and defending the truth of the gospel. That it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And so after the letter is read and the city is excited, what happens is Paul says, let's get back to it. Let's get right back to it. The, the theological stuff is handled. There's unity in Jesus Christ. Now let's get back to finishing the task of going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. Let's take the gospel to the Gentiles, the message of grace. Let's take it. And so what do we see here with Paul it's passion. I mean, look at verse 36. Look what he says here. He says to Barnabas, let us return. Let us go back to these places where we've shared the gospel. And let's go build up the church. Let's go grow these disciples in maturity. And so what do they do? It says they teach and they preach in verse 35. So what is that? Teaching specifically and preaching? I think it's really two things. It's evangelism. They're telling the gospel. They're telling the good news. They're telling about Jesus. Second, they're edifying the church. So they're taking those who have trusted in Christ, they're building them up into maturity. And so they're doing both of these things. And that was Paul's mission. 
But what I want you to see here is there's this attitude of let's get back to it. There's this minor little stoppage that we had to deal with. It was a major deal. But now we're getting back to it. So what do we see here? We see passion, I think, in Paul. We see it all over the New Testament with Paul. What gave him that kind of passion? First of all, it was supernatural, right? This isn't something you just muster up. This isn't something you just get up and will it. This is supernatural. Obviously, it started with him being saved in Acts 9. He was born again. But it continues with this. It continues with a life that is mingled with Jesus Christ. A life mingled, intertwined, interlocked with Jesus Christ. Here's what it looks like. Listen to these verses. They'll be up on the screen. Philippians 1.21. This was Paul's heart. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul saw life about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Meaning Paul was saying, I no longer do the living. But he says, the life I live now, the living that I do now, I do for who? I do it for Christ. Because Christ lives in me. I live now in the flesh, but I live for who? I live for Jesus Christ, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That was Paul's passion. His life was so intertwined with Christ. Philippians 3.8, he says this, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The greatest good for Paul, that the Latin phrase there, the sunum bonum for Paul was this, Jesus. To know him to know him in his death, to know him in his resurrection, to know him in his sufferings, to know him. Jesus was Paul's passion. His life was mingled with him. Listen to these guys, some other evangelists who have said similar things. Henry Martin once said this, now let me burn out for God. That's an attitude that's full of passion. Listen to Robert Moffat. This is a little tough quote, but I want you to hang on to it. It's fun. He says, my album, I think he meant his life, is the savage breast where tempest brood and savages rest without one ray of light. See, Robert Moffat ministered to the dark places, very tribal type stuff. And he says this, to write the name of Jesus there in these dark places and see that savage bow in prayer and point to worlds more bright and fair, this is my soul's delight. You see, his delight was to take the word of God to places who had never heard of the gospel. And that the ray of the light of the gospel would shine brightly in those dark, dark, savages' hearts. That was the passion of these evangelists. And such was a passion that Paul had and these men that are fueled by Christ. But not only fueled by Christ, but they're fueled by the word of God. Because I asked that question. I was like, okay, well, what stirs that daily passion for you and I? What keeps that passion stirring? What, what causes uh, the embers? What, what stokes the flames and stirs up the flames to, to, to burn brightly? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. That's why Paul says what he does in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says this, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So as we read the word of God, what, what's being reflected to us back into our heart, back into our life is who God is. And the goal is that it would change us. And that's what Paul says, our being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, from one degree to the next, we are being transformed and growing more into the image of Christ. And that's what God does as we read his word. And so what is he doing? He's stirring our passion for him and his mission. 
And so the first thing I want you to see this morning is making disciples involves us having a passion. Us having a passion for Jesus. And so is Christ your passion? Is your life so interlocked and intermingled with him that you want to let other people know about it? That was Paul. That was Paul. The second thing I want you to see this morning is priority, right? What's our priority? For Paul, his priority it was Jesus and letting people know about him and making disciples. That was his priority. And so listen to verse 1 of chapter 16. You just saw verse 35 and 36. Paul's on this mission. They're getting back to it. They're taking the gospel. They're strengthening the churches. But look at verse 1 of chapter 16. Paul came also to Derby to Lystra, and a disciple was there. So this is one who's already trusted in Christ. His name was Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. That means he had good character. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts for they all knew that his father was a Greek. We'll get to the second part of that, verse three in a second. But what I want you to see here is that when Jesus saved Paul, he gave Paul a clear priority. You remember what he said to him? You're gonna be my chosen instrument to go to the nations, to take the gospel. And so Paul was passionate about that as his priority. He was an evangelist, yes. He would tell people about Jesus, but his role was not limited to that. His role was about edifying the church, strengthening the church, discipling even believers. And so he wasn't one of those evangelists that did the big crusade and just bailed, right? Paul loved the local church. And he saw the local church as the key, that you would tell about Jesus, but then you would also come around those relationships and you would disciple them. That was his heart. That was his heartbeat. And so he would go back to places like Lystra and Derby and other places, and he would disciple believers. And so introduced Timothy, right? A young guy, grew up with mom and grandma, were told in First and Second Timothy about this, that they imparted to him the sacred writings of the Old Testament. And then under the ministry of Paul, Timothy would come to faith. And so he's one of Paul's converts. And so Paul goes back to disciple Timothy in Lystra and Derby there and raise him up and say, hey, Timothy, come join me in this work. Come imitate me in this work. In Colossians 1.28, Paul says this, we proclaim Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, and here's the reason, so that we may present every man complete in Jesus Christ. Paul didn't just want people to know about Jesus, but he wanted them to grow in maturity. That was a priority of his. He was so passionate about it. And that's what they did with Many, but especially with Timothy. And specifically, Paul had a heartbeat for this next generation. Timothy was a young guy, and he saw something in him. And we'll see later what will happen with Timothy. He'll be a young pastor in a church. And Paul raises him up and disciples him. Let me ask you this morning, what's our priority this morning? For Paul, it was making disciples. This is what Jesus called him to. The priority was clear it was right, and he was passionate about it. Guys, you and I, Paul tells us, we're, we're Christ's workmanship, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. What's that good work? Raising up disciples, sharing the gospel, strengthening young believers to maturity. 
We're, hot. we're called, you and I, to that mission, to that priority. And we're to have courage. Take those steps. You see, we can't experience the mission unless we take that first step. To take that first step in making disciples. Winston Churchill once said this. He says, there comes into the life of every man a task for which he and he alone is uniquely suited. What a shame if that moment finds him either unwilling or unprepared for that which would become his finest hour. You guys, we have a mission. God has uniquely suited us for that. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word to go like Paul and to let people know about the gospel and disciple them. Be passionate about the priority of making disciples. The third thing we see here are people, and it's a very interesting look. There's a few here that we see. Look at verse 37 back in chapter 15. Look what is said here by Luke as he writes. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. And so this would be the second missionary journey that Paul goes on. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take John Mark along, who had deserted them earlier in Pamphylia. And he had not gone with them to do the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord Jesus. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening, excuse me, the churches. And so here is Paul, and here is Barnabas, and enters John Mark. And if you go back to Acts 13, John Mark bails on the mission. He leaves them, and Paul and Barnabas continues. And here enters John again. Barnabas believes we should take John Mark with us. And so here you have these people all uniquely created by God with different gifts and different um, wirings. And then you're going to see the likes of Silas, and you see another likes of, of Judas. And eventually Timothy enters in, in in chapter 16. And so what's the picture here is God uses different people. And sometimes what happens is disagreements arise when you put people together, right? Differing opinions. Now, Many commentators will take this issue and this disagreement and they will just elaborate on this. I think over-elaborate and go into this, I think, way too much. The issue here is differing opinions. Should we take him or, or shouldn't we take him? And, and Barnabas, just that encourager, that merciful one, decides, you know what, I'm gonna take John Mark. I'm gonna take him. And Paul says, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm going this way. What I love about this is God takes these guys in different paths, and what he's going to do, he's going to extend the gospel through both of them, through both of these groups. I think too much we focus on the disagreement, but I, what I think we see here is disagreements will come. Disagreements will come in church. It used to be this. I'll just take one. I won't take too many because then we might stir up some things and have some disagreements. So, <laughs> But let me just take one. Like It used to be back in the day, it's just like, Oh, you, you send your kids to public school. Well, uh, I, I send mine to homeschool. I mean, I was, you know, the, you just kind of create, we're, we're cool with that now. I think we can talk about that. So, but, but you would have those sides. You would have those sides, and sometimes it's just those differing opinions. And like, oh, you're, oh, okay. And, and then some people, it's, it's other things. I'm, I'm just not going to go there. So, but it's just other things. And what happens sometimes, here's the sad thing. Sometimes it, it, it causes people to, to move on to different churches, and, and, and here's the thing is there are some 
closed-hand things, which we've seen the doctrine of salvation in this text, you're closed-handed on that, you betcha. But there are some open-handed things, a lot of open-handed things, and I'm not just talking here, I'm just talking about just opinions in life where it's, it's not worth, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. One of the things we say in our house a lot of times, it's, it's a, a proverb, and I forget the address, sorry, but um, it basically says this, it's to your glory to just let some things roll, Right? And sometimes people have differing opinions, and it's okay to have differing opinions. And obviously, that seems to be, I think, the issue here. But what I love about it is God still uses them to extend them to the uttermost parts of the world to take the gospel. See, the point is, sometimes there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be disagreements. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But we must continue on. And what God's going to do here is he's going to continue to strengthen the church. And so they're passionate about the right priority. All these people, all these different people are that God's going to use from Silas to Judas to Paul to Barnabas, even John Mark, and especially Timothy. But look what happens as well. Along the way, God takes these people that are passionate about making disciples. And along the way, there are times we're going to have to take precautions. And it's an interesting point. To get to the point, it's very interesting, right? Look at verse 3, all right? Timothy... um, is being discipled by Paul, and he wants Timothy to go with him. Paul does. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, this question arose at nine, and I love the question, but I'm not going to answer it here. The question was this. How would they have known that Timothy wasn't circumcised? Right? Okay. All right. We'll just leave it at that. Sometimes questions are meant to go unanswered in public, and that's one of them. So Timothy had a Jewish mom, right? He had a Jewish mom. He had a Gentile father. Timothy, now a believer, goes to join Paul in this mission of making disciples. But to minister effectively to the Jews that would be in the different cities that they would stop off at, Paul felt that Timothy needed to be circumcised. I'm thinking if I signed up for a mission trip, I'd be like, I'll do the passport, but I'm not doing that, all right? I mean, that would be my first thing. I would like have a prerequisite, all right? Um, but here's the point. Paul believed that unbelieving Jews would not have given Paul a hearing if he had traveled with an uncircumcised Gentile, even though Timothy was even a half Jew. So what was the point here? What's, what's the point? And I think it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. This, this is what his thinking is of why he does this. Because they've just had this big, you know, meeting over how is one saved. Well, by grace alone, not through circumstances, not, not through obeying the Mosaic law. But now Paul comes along and says, hey, dude, you've got you to be circumcised if you're going on this mission trip with me to these other cities, right? So listen to Paul's thinking. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. Okay, there's his heart, right? To win people to Christ. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being under the law myself, so that I might win those who are under the law. As without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. What's Paul's point here? Paul's simple point is know your audience, know your culture. 
And, and there are going to be times when we go to different places. We're going to be times when we meet different people. We're in different crowds. It doesn't mean we throw off holiness. It doesn't mean we, we throw off our convictions. That's not the point here. We keep those intact. But there are different times. I, I remember going to different places. Sometimes it's the way you dress, right? Uh, sometimes it's learning the language. I mean, there's different things that you do so that why? You can have a hearing so that you can have an opportunity to share the gospel. And in this case specifically, to connect with the Jewish culture, Paul felt that it was right for Timothy to be circumcised. How, about, how, how many of you are loving that beat right now? Just, I mean, you're all thinking about it, right? And I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You guys that get a little distracted or whatever, um, just fix on something, like this microphone or something. I don't know, just fix on it. All right, you'll be okay. You'll make it, all right? So they're focused right, on the, on the mission, the priority of making disciples. They're passionate about it. Sometimes we got to take precautions, but what's the main goal? Look at verse 4 and 5. We're presenting this. It's the message of the gospel of grace. Listen to what it says. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number Daily. I hope you get excited when you read things like this. This is like the fifth progress report that we get of how the church is doing. It's growing. It's growing. But what are they doing? Verse 4 tells us what was talked about in Jerusalem. You guys okay? You guys okay? You're jamming? Just focus here. That's all right. So, so here's the deal. Hey, they're focused on sharing the gospel. That was what was talked about in Jerusalem, right? The letter that was written was about grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. So they took the gospel. When you think about this day, September 11th, what happened 15 years ago, where nearly 3,000 lives were taken, murders. It reminds us of how important the message of the grace of God is. The nations need the message of grace. The United States, your neighborhood, your place of work needs the message of grace because this world is broken. There's darkness and evil. When God is the only cure, he's the only one that can heal the evil heart. And that's what these guys did. They took the gospel to places that were dark. They took the gospel to religious places where they were hanging on to works of salvation. And the gospel came in, changed lives and strengthened the church and added their numbers daily. We must always make it about the gospel. Guys, be bearers of the gospel. Be willing to share the gospel, whether it's on the plane, whether it's on the train, wherever you're at during the week, in your place of work. And let people know the hope that you have in them. And it may take um, seven interactions with somebody, make ten, ten interactions with somebody. I don't know how many interactions it might take, but, but share the hope that you have, guys. Share the hope. Share the hope. And lastly, lastly, look what happens here. I love this. It's interesting, another little verse, but look at verses 6 through 10. And I want you to see here that God takes passionate people that have the right priority, and he takes them. Sometimes they have to take precautions where they go. They present the gospel, and when they do, God takes them to different places, and he directs their steps. And so look at verse 6 through 10. I love this. They pass through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were tr trying to go to Bethania, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Passing by Mysia, they came to the t uh, down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. 
a man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love this. So, so here you have Paul, you have Silas, you have Timothy. Not only that, you have Luke, right? Look at the verse 10. It says, we and us. Who's writing the letter? It's Luke. So now Luke's part of this crew. We find that out. And so they're continuing this missionary journey along these Roman roads, along the Aegean uh, coastline. And as they're going down the coastline, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go here. Don't speak a word here. Don't go here. And then all of a sudden, a vision of a man from Macedonia says, come help us. And by the Spirit of God, God is going to lead them to Macedonia and specifically to Philippi. We'll pick up that next week, and he leads them there. What's the point? Sometimes God says, no, don't go here. But it doesn't mean we stop. Well, here's what I mean by that. God may say no here, but because there's something over here. So these guys don't just stop and are idle because God said, don't go speak a word in Asia. They continue to walk. They continue to seek the Lord and pray. Here's what it looks like. I remember, I just thought about this this morning. I was in Africa a few years back, and every day what we would do is we'd go through these villages, and there was just village after village after village, but you had to walk in between. And I remember one time I was walking with this pastor, and, and two distinct things happened that were very similar to this. As we were walking, he said, no, we're not going to go to that village. I was like, okay. Is there any certain reason? He's like, no, I just, I just don't feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us we need to go there. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, that's cool. We'll just, we'll just keep going. And so we, we kept going. And then I remember another time we were walking by this thing called what you would call a village bar, all right? Uh, and as we walked by it, I thought, man, I, I want to, there were just people just all over the place. And if you can picture kind of like what a village bar would be in Africa, I mean, it's in the middle of villages, out in the middle of nowhere, and you have like these tubs, and as you get closer, they're just tubs of alcohol. I mean, it's just, it, it, it stinks, it stinks. It sounds like, smells, well, never mind. Um, it just stinks. And so we're walking by, and I'm thinking, man, I just feel like the tug of like, man, I, I really feel like we need to go over there. And I started to walk in there. He goes, oh, no, 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 we're not going there. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm like, man, these are, these are the people that, that need it. I mean, we were having this conversation. I didn't want to disagree with this guy. But I was like, why? Why not? He's like, no, we don't. The, the church, we don't engage with them. And I looked at him, and I, I love this. I still love this guy. I think of him every now and then. And I looked at him right there as we're standing outside this village bar, and I said, hey, listen, I'm going. I'm going. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, go. And he said, okay. And one of the issues where we were is that, and, and this is sometimes in places in Kenya as well, is that the church sometimes will shun um, what's called toppers. Toppers are people that will climb trees and they'll get the coconut and then what they will do is they'll turn the coconut juice eventually over to a wine or a beer is what they'll do. And so toppers, they, they have nothing to do with them and the drunks, they'll have nothing to do with them. I mean, literally nothing. And so I remember that day just saying, hey, listen, we're, I'm going, I'm going. We're, we're gonna step over there. I remember sitting down and I feel like it was in a trough. I mean, it was just, it, it was, it was just in, in big red-eye people, just, but alert, you know, not inebriated enough to, to not know what to say. And we're sitting there just talking about the gospel and talking about the gospel. And I remember just tears just falling out of their eyes. 
tears and tears and tears. And the pastor sitting with me, and, and I could see God just changing his heart too. And I, I remember just remember, and there was just tears coming. And I remember that guy saying, you know what, that's, ah, that's awesome. I love that you're telling me about Jesus, and I love that the, it's about grace, but I can't accept that. I'll never forget that guy telling me, I can't accept that. I'm like, why? He says, because it's really not for us. And they had heard that so many times from churches. It's not for us. And I said, oh, no, no, it is especially for you. It's especially for you. He came for the drunk. He came for the prisoner. We just sung about it. He came for the Pharisee. He came for the criminal. He came for the least of these, for the worst of these. It's who he came for. It's where he calls us to. And sure, sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to say, no, I don't want you to go there right now. That's not where you're going to go. Sometimes he's going to give us no's as we share the gospel with someone, and someone is going to say no. But doesn't mean we just stop. I mean, we keep seeking the Lord, keep praying, and keep going on the mission. Don't get idle. Don't get idle. There are lost people all over the place. I got to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is always... I believe always saying yes. If there's an opportunity to share the gospel, man, share it, share it, share it, share it. Sure, he might say, no, I don't want you to go over here right now. I want you to go over here. He might redirect your steps, but we always got to have a willingness. I think that's what he wants, a willingness, a yes spirit to be willing to go. And that's what Paul had, and that's what these guys had, because there are people who are out there who have maybe heard before, the gospel's not for me. It is. It is, and they need to hear it. So guys, real simply, passion. What are you passionate about? Let's be passionate about the greatest priority of all, of making disciples. He takes unique people, different people, wired differently. He takes all of us, and he takes us to different places, and he wants us to present the only hope, which is the truth of the gospel. Let me pray for you.